Good morning. My name is Sandy Asker, and I'm one of the pastors here. I right now am enjoying the confirmation retreat with the students both from our location at Rosa Parks and Howard Drive. And today, as I am videotaping, I am sitting in the Howard Drive location. If you've never been here before, that's where I am videotaping. But it is Sunday, and you all are enjoying church, and I am hopefully not too sleep-deprived with about 15 teenagers. I'm so glad that you're here today. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we have been reading the New Testament, the Community Bible Experience, and we just wanted to celebrate a few of the things that have been happening as people are interacting with the the text. So I just have a few quotes I wanted to share with you this morning. One of the groups straight up said they've had a lot of questions and a lot of passages that they've really struggled with and even bothered their group. Another group said, we've started to learn, I'm sorry, we've learned to start with love when dealing with uncomfortable people or topics. And one thing that I thought was really interesting from a group, they said, we all noticed how interesting it is that the disciples dropped everything to start following Jesus. Now, it's crazy for us today to think of this sacrifice. Think about quitting your job, essentially following Jesus, not knowing how it was going to end up. In hindsight, it's easier for us now to drop everything and follow Jesus because we know what happened for those, easy, for those earlier disciples. But nevertheless, it would be extremely difficult to go to those measures. So if you haven't been reading yet, please jump in with us this week. We've just finished the book of Matthew and we still have a few weeks left. Please jump in. There are bookmarks at the back of the room or ask one of us and we'd love to get you involved with that Bible reading. Now, a week and a day ago, I ran a race up in Door County, and I have to be honest, it was a hard race. It was one of my harder races. It was a half marathon, and particularly the last few miles were quite difficult. My finishing photo as I crossed the finishing line kind of looked like I had just given birth. There was a horrible grimace on my face, and I didn't even look happy for it to be over. I used a lot of mind tricks to get me through the last few Miles, And even I remember thinking through some of the verses that have stuck with me through my CBE readings. Another thing that I did is I looked at the other runners, the runners that were around me and in front of me. And there was one team, they were all wearing matching t-shirts. Clearly, they had been raising money and they were pushing someone with special needs in a really cool, uh, like jogging wheelchair. The guy that had the longest hill watching him dig deep and pushing that wheelchair uphill became my hero. And then on the other side of that hill, he had to really hold back so that the wheelchair didn't push him too fast down the hill. How about you? Have you ever had a time when you just felt like you didn't have it in you to finish? It was just so challenging. Maybe it's not a half marathon up in Door County, but maybe currently you're in a situation and you just can't see how you're going to get through it. What challenges you today? Maybe what's causing you to feel exhausted? Well, we are going to study a passage today about people who lived long ago and how they conquered their challenges. In Hebrews, the writer of the book of Hebrews walks through history, the history of the Bible, and people who weren't running 13.1 miles, but they definitely had challenges. The writer reminds us of these women and men of faith so that we can look back on them and take courage. 
We're going to start in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, verses 1 through 2. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now I think this is interesting because as I did my study, I learned that this is the only definition of faith in the entire Bible. Faith is what the recipients of this letter of Hebrews are called to again and again in the letter. For instance, Hebrews 6 verse 12 says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Hebrews 10.38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. In fact, that word faith is used over 40 times just in the book of Hebrews, and over 20 times are in this chapter, chapter 11. That's incredible for me. In the Greek, it's the word pistis. Its root is to persuade. These people of faith have been persuaded to believe something, to trust, to have confidence, to yield themselves. So you think about that word faith or persuade. What is it that you feel like you have faith in, that you've been persuaded about, despite the challenges that you face? The author of Hebrews walks through about 20 characters from the Old Testament who have faced various trials and run their own races. They all had different circumstances, but what unites them is their faith. Skipping ahead to chapter 32, the writer says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Now, I imagine, because it happened to me just now, I imagine that this author is breathless after this section, overcome by thinking about the things that these people have faced, this long list, this hall of fame of faith. And one of the reasons why the author and I am overwhelmed is to think about these people lived without seeing any evidence of the promises. They had just chosen to trust in God. They, by faith, it says, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, shut the mouths of lions. Good grief. And my favorite phrase is in chapter 11, where it says, the world was not worthy of them. They were really something else. It makes me think of the people today that we put on a pedestal. The Christian, maybe celebrities, the certain politicians that have faith, authors, musicians. At the end of the day, though, do we put these people on a pedestal because of their faith? Or do we because they have a great voice or we really love their book? Hebrews only included these people because of their faith, how they had faith despite their circumstances. 
They had faith in common, confidence in what they had hoped for, assurance in what was unseen. Now, what were they believing in? Because when we think about those who lived thousands of years ago, did they really have a concept of what we now know to be true about who Jesus was? Where were they putting their faith? Well, it says in verse 35, they wanted an even better resurrection. Going back to verse 13 in chapter 11, it says all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So back then, they were looking ahead to a time where God would have something better for them. These women and men of faith, they had hope in God and in heaven, even if they didn't have any evidence of it. They didn't get to read what we're reading in the New Testament about Jesus, about how he came out of the grave and proved that he could have conquering over death. He would have victory over death itself. He would walk out of the grave to prove that. But these men and women didn't have that. Yet they still believed. They believed that there would be a better world, a better country that it says, a heavenly one. And their actions while they lived on earth revealed that. Verse 39, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So again, just in case we haven't gotten it yet, the author reminds us that they did not receive what was promised. They had no evidence for that better world or for that better country, for that heavenly promise. And yet they believed it. And then it says that God has planned something better for them and for us so that together our faith would be made perfect. So this is a bit complicated, and I have to be honest, as I read some other people and their commentaries on this, not everybody agrees. But what I do feel confident in saying today is that God says that we are somehow linked, and it's our faith that links us. We have today received the message of Jesus. We have the New Testament. We can look back 2,000 years and see how the early church who had known Jesus and walked with Jesus, we can trust them. There's evidence for us to understand what it looks like to walk ahead in faith. But this list in Hebrews 11 are all of these men and women who did not have that. And yet somehow their faith from way long time ago and ours today are somehow linked. And I would say, for those who have not yet believed, we one day are going to be linked in eternity. Now, as they continue, the writer of Hebrews, in chapter 12, how are we linked? Well, in chapter 12, verse 1, and this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I'm going to stop us right there. Maybe you've heard of this verse before. We are surrounded 
Now, that's sort of ironic right now because I'm literally in the sanctuary at Howard Drive and there's not a soul in the, in the room. So I'm finding comfort literally right now. Even though I cannot see human faces in this room, I do believe I'm surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Those who have been part of Crossview Covenant Church for over 130 years, those who are still alive, I think are here in spirit as they support and love Rosa Parks, and those who have already gone beyond it, and they're experiencing that heavenly country. I imagine that the spiritual realm is more real than what we can see with our naked eye. We don't think about that maybe very often, but Hebrews reminds us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded by these people from a long time ago. Now, as I ran last Saturday, and I was struggling, and I was on certain parts of the course where there were no cheerleaders. <laughs> Sometimes I felt like I was all by myself. And I imagined those who know me and knew I was running that day, I imagined them on the race course. And had they been present, how they would have cheered for me. I imagined my dad, who's 93, who used to be a runner, and what he would be saying to me. And I did. I imagined people who are no longer alive on earth here cheering me on, angels, and Jesus Christ himself. And in fact, I was just asking Jesus, just pull me along at certain points. Hebrew says that we are linked together, and I believe it's because of our faith. Hebrews 12 continues, verses 1 and 2. The writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, forgive me for talking about running so much, but I did just run a race, and this passage does say race and run. If you've ever seen runners, especially this time of the year, if you're not a runner, you might think that we are crazy, which we are, but particularly this time of the year, you see people in shorts, t-shirts, maybe they have a headband on or a hat, maybe even gloves, but they don't seem to be wearing much. Well, when you're running, it's amazing how fast your body warms up. And when you're running, you don't want anything to hinder you. You don't want any extra weight. Running is hard enough, at least for me. I don't need anything on my body that I don't need that might slow me down any further. And I think that the writer of Hebrews is saying the same. As we run the race that's set before us, we need to throw off whatever we can so that we can run the race that's marked out for us. So in response to this passage today, I think that's really the first step. What are the things that are holding us back? And specifically, Hebrews talks about sin. Now, in my community Bible experience, one of the verses that stood out to me was Romans 14, verse 23. And it says, everything that's not based in faith is sin. Man, I've really been thinking about that. What are the ways that I choose to be anxious, worry, and I could be trusting God for that issue, for those challenges maybe that we're thinking about. For me specifically, this happens to me at night. The day is over, everyone's asleep, maybe even Brian's asleep, and I find myself choosing how am I going to fall asleep that night. Am I going to believe the lie that reading one more article, checking my fantasy football one more time, 
checking social media about the latest controversy, reading a book, that somehow that's really what I need. That's really how I'm gonna rest. And honestly, for me, I need to get good sleep. When I don't get good sleep, let's just say I'm not a very faith-filled person. What is it for you? What are the places where you could say, gosh, I really need to get rid of this bad habit? Or I need to choose to have faith in this area instead of the sinful activities that I'm choosing. The second thing it says is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And one of the reasons why I love this passage is it says we fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Depending on your translation, those words are going to be different. But that word pioneer literally means he's paving the way. He's making the way. He's marking the course. He creates the way. He invents it. The way of faith. Or it can also mean chief leader or prince. So think of him. He's the prince of faith. He's the president of faith. If he were a superhero, his superpower would be faith in the face of challenges. That's good news for me. Because sometimes I'm not very faith-filled. Jesus is the one who invented faith. He is the one who has it in spades for all of us. And just like a superhero, when I don't have it, he's going to. And he's going to come as I need him. It also says that he's the perfecter of faith. He completes it. He finishes it. When I can't run that race like this poor girl I saw, she got carted off in one of those four-wheelers, she couldn't finish. But those men in the car could bring her to that finish. When we don't have the faith, Jesus does. He is the pioneer and the perfecter, the finisher of faith. He has faith enough for all of us. In fact, in Timothy... It says that if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Who knows better than God what God is capable of? Jesus has faith because he knows firsthand what God can do, because he is God. He experiences it. Jesus has from eternity. This comes because God became human. He experienced as we do challenges on this world. He doesn't expect anything from us that he hasn't gone through himself. In Hebrews, in closing chapter 12, verse 3, the writer says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What is that challenge you've been thinking of this whole time? Maybe it's a difficult relationship, your finances, chronic illness, somebody that you're caring for who's a challenge? What just seems to be too much? What would it look like for you to choose faith in this circumstance? I had to choose to keep running in that race, but you know what? It was over in two hours. <laughs> and on some level, that's the easiest thing I've done in 18 months. Thinking about COVID, thinking about relationships, thinking about politics, thinking about justice and the injustices I keep reading about. How to handle this COVID world and my children. How to have a healthy marriage. How to keep, take care of myself. How we as a church can continue to run the race that's marked out for us. Those, I think, are the real challenges. Colossians 1, 28 through 29 says, 
He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend, I run the race with all the energy and the faith that Christ so powerfully works in me, Colossians says. Where do I need faith? I need faith to face the challenge of continuing to be a part of this church with you in the midst of COVID, going into holiday season, the weather's changing, the kids' vaccinations are available. How are we going to handle that? How are we going to handle the holidays? How are we going to face what's around the corner? Some of you perhaps have never had that moment in your life or a conscious reliance on Jesus. And I want to tell you again, the good news today is if you feel like you don't have the faith, Jesus does. Jesus has the faith for you. See, the good news is my faith, I don't have to like work it up to a certain level to be saved. It's who we put our faith in that saves us. If I put it in myself, man, I'm going to be taking that four-wheeler to the finish line every time. If I put my faith in Jesus, Jesus has already finished the race perfectly. He's come out of that grave. He is conquering death every day. He has conquered it once and for all, and he helps us conquer whatever challenges that we face. It doesn't mean that life is going to be easy, but we know that one day we look forward to that heavenly country. And if you don't have that faith in yourself for Jesus, ask Jesus for it. And friends, those of us who are believers, sometimes we don't even have the faith, do we? Jesus said, even if you have faith as small as a grain of a mustard seed, which is tiny, you give that to Jesus. Give what you have to offer Jesus. We just talked about that. With Jesus, we have enough because Jesus is always enough. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Jesus is the one that has the faith when we don't. And I think that's good news today. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you are the author, the pioneer, the perfecter, and the finisher of faith. Because, Lord, sometimes when I open up the news, when I have conversations, when I get that text or that email from someone updating me on what's happening, gosh, it's so hard to keep going. But, Jesus, I want to declare today that we believe, as a church, Big C Church, that you have it for us. Jesus, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we can consider you and not lose heart. God, thank you that when we are faithless, that you are faithful. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.